Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking 313. I've got Logan here with me today. What's up, everybody? Uh, today, we're going to get into a little bit of some Michigan basketball, some Michigan State basketball, a little recap on the coaches in Michigan and Detroit sports and where they're at, and then just talk a little NFL playoffs. Without further ado, let's get started. So let's get into a little bit of some Michigan hoops. They've played two games since we last recorded. They played at home against Northwestern and won 85-78. to Some good performances from Kobe Buffkin in that game and Doug McDaniel. And then they went to Maryland and struggled a little bit, lost 58-64 to at Maryland. What do you uh, make of those two games, Logan? Uh, you know, I just want to start out by saying it's not – how we envisioned it going. I mean, obviously, you would like to, they put competitive against Maryland. You know, I think they we were all surprised that they were even that close in the game. But I really think that that loss could kind of help them kind of regroup. They lost three out of four. They really need to kind of figure out their identity. That's kind of what they're struggling with right now is figuring out who they are. And uh, in terms of that, I think that this can be a learning experience. And you got to look at the positive side of things. I think when it comes to this team especially when they're all young and developing, you got to really maintain that positive that culture and positive attitude when talking about this team. So what are your thoughts on that, Ben? I think uh, I agree. I think that win against Northwestern was a really good win. We uh, kind of got – we got up really uh, – we got up early in the game and then struggled in the middle part of the game and then finally you know, ended on a good stretch of the game, winning that game. And I think that kind of showed some development from, like, Doug McDaniel as a point guard scoring the ball because he hasn't been a bad point guard, but some of these times you're like, oh, well, he's not really scoring at all. And he had a really good game that game. But then he came against Maryland, not his best game. I know that he sent out a tweet calling out Michigan fans saying, oh, you guys were uh, all high on me after the Northwestern win, loving me, and now you're hating on me saying I need to be replaced after the Maryland win. And and that's kind of how sports fans are, honestly, nowadays. And some of the times, you know, it's not really fair to athletes, but they kind of just got a bad, a blind eye. It's like, you know, Stetson Bennett, he uh, has a flip phone. He doesn't even have a real phone is what he says. And uh, so he can't. He, he can't be looking at the social media and seeing what other people say about him, even though, you know, he's a baller and, and worked out well for him. But I think that the Doug McDaniel thing, that's kind of a story going into these two games. And what is he going to be the rest of the year? Because I think that's going to be a big thing for Michigan. Kind of going more into that, what do you think about the struggles for Michigan? How do you think uh, – what causes them and what do you think they can do to fix that? Uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, anybody – you can be frustrated with players, but – Going on Twitter and like like you said, specifically attacking a player on Twitter, it there's no point in doing that. So just keep your frustrations to yourself. Oh, I agree. And honestly, with Doug McDaniel especially, because he's like he wasn't supposed to be our starting point guard this year, and right. I think he's played really really well replacing Jalen Noel yeah. as our starting point guard. Especially as a freshman. Oh, as a freshman, he's yeah. small. Like I think yeah. he's he's a really good player. Well. Yeah, well. I agree. But in terms of the game, X's and O's, you know, um, I what I think the biggest issue they don't have like a go-to in terms of anything on offense or on defense like for example we talk about defense team defense they don't play team defense you know only three of their five starters play quality defense doug kobe and sometimes terrence jet and, and hunter are lost causes on defense and then you, you bring in off the bench joey who can't really defend you know what's the not the best defender they don't play good defense so that's what it is on that and they don't and they try all these different looks and zones and stuff and, and pressure but nothing really seems to be working it's it, it's not consistent enough and then on the offensive side, they what I pointed to is tra- like our transition points. I think last week or last game, last night against Maryland, they, I'm pretty sure they finished with less than five transition points as in the at the end of the game. That's a big problem because they're athletically able. They should be able to push the ball to the court and get transition points and attack teams and keep them off guard. But when they slow it down and get all these sets, the teams know what's coming and they're 
not the most creative sets. They don't get the good looks they should be getting. So if they can really figure out how to push the ball in transition and run down the floor efficiently, I really think that will help open up the floor on offense and allow them to score points. But like you said, they have to come together as a team, be more positive, and they have to address both these issues on offense and defense to get to the next level. How about you, Ben? Yeah, I agree. Like uh, We always talk about what you see with Izzo teams, pushing the ball down the floor, getting out in transition. And I feel like this is a Michigan team that kind of needs to be like that. I know you got Hunter Dickinson, who isn't really going to be a transition-type player. He's more of a half-court offense, and, and you kind of want to run through him at times. But there's times when he's just in the game and he's just not there. And it translates to bad defense. It translates to all of that. And kind of going into the defensive stuff, like you said, Jet Howard plays a little bit of a cowboy ball when he's playing defense. He he thinks that he's, like, really good. And he's really athletic, really talented basketball player. But sometimes he's, like, he's trying to do a little too much. And he needs to just play team basketball. And Hunter Dickinson, you know, he's just not athletic enough to move with some of these big guys. And it's really a problem when they don't, you know, help Hunter Dickinson out in the post and stuff like that when they need to especially when they have a switch and Hunter Dickinson's on a guard. I feel like some of these times they need to put a switch on or at least help him out to hedge there or something like that. Offensively, like you said, I think transition's a big thing. I think also uh, almost the same as defense, a little bit too much cowboy ball. I feel like they're trying to play NBA basketball at a college level. There's a lot of one player only controlling the ball in one possession where he just kind of dribbles and shoots. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But honestly, that's not even fun to watch for a fan standpoint. And it's not going to win you basketball games, especially when you're playing with a guy like Hunter Dickinson on the floor, where if you're going to run a half-court offense, it can't be just a one-guy dribbling. It has to be going through Hunter Dickinson, let him get a double team, either pass out of it, jump hook, whatever Hunter Dickinson wants to do. If you're going to run a half-court offense, it has to run through him, and sometimes it doesn't. Whereas I feel like a lot of the times it's Jet Howard thinking he can make like a step back three. And, you know, he does make them a lot of the time more than a lot of other players will, but still he he misses more than he's going to make, I think. And I think that if they start running set plays more when they're not in transition, than just one guy controlling the basketball, kind of dribbling through traffic, trying to do all that. I think that that'll be a big thing for this Michigan team going down the stretch and going down the stretch. They're going to need to win some games because last week on the podcast, we kind of talked about, this was these were two games that, that were gettable for Michigan and we thought that they're gonna need if they're gonna make it the tournament. And what do you think about the tournament for Michigan right now? Uh bring up what you said, they you know, obviously they split those games. So not the worst thing that could have happened, but it really feels like they kinda of let one slip away last night against Maryland. They felt I mean, we were all surprised they're even in that game. But yeah, lost a quad one game on the road. Right. Oh and seven in quad one yeah, game. That's the, that's the problem, you know. Um I hate to be that guy, but these next two games are must-win games. If they, if they don't come, they should handle business against Minnesota. But if they don't, Purdue, they have to beat Purdue. For those of you that don't know, they're at they're home against Minnesota on Sunday at 1 o'clock and then home against Purdue on Thursday at 9 o'clock. Exactly. You got lucky with both those games being at home. So when you, this is uh, these are two must-win games to so keep any talks of tournament hopes alive. If they split this, they'll be 11-9. At that point, you're talking NIT and – on the edge of getting into the tournament as a 12 seed, 11 seed. So if they can pull out the Purdue win, you know, Purdue's only lost one game, right? So if they can pull that game out, be, give, number two team in the country, right, give them their first quad one. Number three, to say though, yeah. a first quad one win of the year. That's you know, going into later January, yeah, you don't want that to be a thing. So obviously, especially when you have seven opportunities, right? It's not been the year you want it to be, but I mean, you can't you can't change what has happened in the past. So I guess best way to look forward as. They need to treat it like two playoff games. They need to treat it like two tournament games and play and come out with the intensity and they and the team atmosphere and really take make sure that they nail these two games to get that tournament resume going into March. 
Yeah, I think you said a big word there, playoff games. I think the rest of the schedule for Michigan is honestly you win, you keep playing. Like you cannot lose too many of these games. You already have eight losses, eight losses, correct? Mm-hmm. You already have eight losses, 10 and eight. You you can't afford to win, uh, to lose too many more games. Last year, I don't remember how many losses they finished with, but it was the most losses ever to make the tournament, I think, from like a, a auto bid, not an auto bid, a non-auto bid type team. And you can't rely on that every year. And I know you made the Sweet 16, so sure, they're going to put you in over some other teams if you get a chance. But they're going to have to catch fire on the stretch here. They're going to have to play really well in Big Ten play. And like you said, two huge games at home. Big Ten on the road is going to be brutal. It's going to be a really, really tough place to, to lose or to win. And when you're at home, that means you got to win your games. And I think this Purdue game is really going to be a big tell for Michigan because they should beat this Minnesota team, I think, on Sunday. They should beat them handedly. But this Purdue game, Purdue is a team that definitely could get us. They just got Michigan State last week on Monday, Martin Luther King Day. And now they're coming here. They're on fire. They're the number three ranked team in the country, probably going to rise up pretty soon here. And I think that these two games, like you said, are must-win games. And even you, – you can't bank on these, oh, we played good against Purdue. Sure, we lost. We played good. Because, you know, we had that against Virginia. We had that against a lot of teams. Carolina, we've had – yeah, we've had that too much this year. Iowa. Way too much this year. Win the game. You got to win the game. You got to finish out a game. You got to win a game. And I think if if they do win these two games, then you are sitting in a good spot where not necessarily you can afford to lose any more games, but I think you're sitting in a good spot where if you do what you need to do the rest of the way, you can be that fringe March Madness tournament team. It's it's just kind of a it's a bad place to be in and you know it's a second year in a row that we've been in this spot this this spot in the year and it, it's it's tough it's tough and I know last year they pulled it together but you can't keep banking on them to just pull it together I think that you're gonna have to start winning these games up early here you can't just bank on oh getting hot at the very end of the year getting hot in late February getting hot going into March then oh sweet sixteen no let's let's make it into the tournament as like a five or higher seed and let's let's do what we need to do and get to that second week and that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, you bring it up. That's that's the most frustrating part between last year and this year. The talent is there. I, to be honest, I don't know why it's not – again, it's not like a complete failure, but it's like I don't know why – I don't remember what didn't click from last year or what – like the main reason why they're struggling this year. It's just I, – I couldn't tell you. We watch every game. We don't know what the main problem is. There's a lot of smaller issues. Yeah, it but, feels like there's a different thing every right, game. It, right. There's a lot of smaller issues that can be – that are that are fixable, but mm-hmm. – for some reason, last year and this year, with all the talent they've had, it's not it's just not been clicking, and it's really frustrating to figure out why, you know. But uh, Yeah, it's a tough watch when you, you see, like last year, Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, one of the better recruiting classes in the nation, come in, and, oh, yeah, you made the Sweet 16, but you lost 17 games or something like that to get there. And, and it was just kind of a very, very gross year. And now, again, you have some good freshmen coming in. You have Doug McDaniel. You have Terrace Reed. You have all these guys. You have Hunter Dickinson coming back, Kobe Bufkin. You have all these guys that, you know, have a ton of talent. And, again, it's not translating to the floor. Like, I feel like you look at a team like Rutgers, what type of talent? Their talent compared to our talent is is we have so much more talent than a team like Rutgers. But Rutgers, I think if we played Rutgers at home or on the road, I think they smack us. They wax us. Rutgers is a really, really good team because they're well-coached. They're, they gel well together. They play well together. They all know their part in the system. I think that's the biggest thing is, is, is our players don't play as a team. No they identity, don't. Right? Yeah, there, there's no identity of this team. You think back to Juwan's first year, the identity, you know, they were underdogs the whole year. Mm-hmm. 
a whole year they're underdogs. And, you know, they finally got like that high ranking and they still, they thought of each other as underdogs. They thought of them as underdogs. Scrappy. Yeah. Going after loose balls, like all that effort plays. They were kind of just an effort team. And you don't really see that anymore. And I, it's, it's disheartening. That's what it yeah, is. it is disheartening, especially from all these talented players. Cause you look at all this talent and if they just played at the level that they used to play at, then I feel like we wouldn't be sitting in a situation right now. I mean, like you said, dude, Jet Howard, I don't think I've seen a more athletic player coming to Michigan in a long time. Than Jet oh, yeah. If he had Probably the best score at Michigan right. If forever. he had that intensity, if he put up some level of intensity on defense, we'd be talking to him. He might still be a first-round pick, but, mm. you know, he'd be a, a freshman All-American. Like, he'd be on a level that he should be. It's just, he'd be like a top five pick. Right. You know, it's just a point to see it from these guys, you know. I, you watch that Iowa game, and you're like, so this is what Jed Howard is. Right. And then – what he goes against Northwestern puts up, I think maybe thirteen. So it wasn't a bad game, but still, it's like right. it's That's just he's he's not he's not going to be the first guy diving on the floor for loose right. balls. He's right. not going to be that type of guy, and it's weird because his brother is. True, that's all. It's a good point, but he isn't playing off. That's the, yeah. It's rotations. It's just all off this year. That's what yeah. Everything with Michigan basketball this year right. has just seemed to be a click off. <laughs> I feel like, and the well, they lost the state a couple weeks back. Michigan State, you know, coming into this this week, they were seven and zero, and then all of a sudden they dropped two straight. They lost at Illinois, seventy five sixty six last Friday. Lost home against Purdue, sixty four sixty three. There's a lot to get into at that game, and then but then they bounced back on Thursday last night. They bounced back and they they beat a Rutgers team that was ranked twenty third in the country. That was at home, so you know it's a tough one for Rutgers because a big ten on the road. But they won seventy to fifty seven, so they won handily. What do you make of those three games? And, you know, we can kind of get into the Purdue game, but what do you make of the other two games? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, State, to me, is the level of – like, the, the word consistent. You know, I don't view them as any top-level team or even close to any top-tier team. I think they're stealing March Madness is probably straight 16, mm-hmm. and I think they get there. You know, I, I think that they're well-coached. They are defensively sound. They don't – Offensively, there are limited areas, but their coaching makes up for it, and they get decent enough looks to where yeah. the count doesn't always push through the coaching well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I remember State, before before these four games coming up, where they were all against ranked teams, yeah. they were all, you know, half a run or half a run home. They were saying, if we can, if they, State fans were, if we can just split this this tough stretch, we're yeah. in a good spot going into the rest of the Big Ten play. And I'm no state fan, but if I were a state fan, I'd be feeling kind of happy about it. Oh, I'd be thrilled right. with the way that they right. they won seven straight and then lost. Right. So, sure, they lost two. You lost to Illinois on the road, very tough place to play. And Illinois is a good basketball team. And then you lost at home to Purdue, the best team in the Big Ten. Yeah. You know, it's uh, they've done their job. They, they've done what they needed. Mm-hmm. Now, going into the rest of the Big Ten play, they're, they should be looking at being able to get a top seed in the tournament and potentially win the Big Ten tournament. I don't think it'll happen. Like you know, like I said, I think the stealing for this team is Sweet Sixteen because I don't think they got that guy. I don't mm-hmm. think they're that talented, but they play together as a group and they play solid defense to where their defense will keep in the games enough. So you know, that's, it's the opposite of Michigan. Michigan doesn't have an identity. Mm-hmm. Michigan State does, but Michigan. If to ask, I would say Michigan's more talented. I would agree. Right, but they more are, talented, but they, less not as well coached, organized, less organized. I think yeah. That's what State is. That's what Michigan State is doing. That's why they're in the spot they're in. That they're mm-hmm. So pass off to them, you know. I'm, I'm again. I don't. I don't like them, but I can respect them when they know if they've done so. Yeah. This year. So I'm gonna go a little bit into that Purdue game. It's funny because uh, last week me and Brett were talking about, oh, they don't have that one big player. They don't have a Cassius Winston. They don't have a good player. And all of a sudden, Tyson Walker drops 26 against Illinois. He comes back. He drops 30 against Purdue. 
and, you know, cooled off a little bit against Rutgers, dropped 13. But, you know, he's kind of blossoming into that guy that's just kind of their their main scorer. But in that Purdue game, there was a, a lot that Michigan State fans had to gripe about on the officiating side of things. And watching that game, you know, it's tough to officiate Zach Eady. Like, you got to give Big Ten refs credit and, you know, also not some credit because they don't necessarily do it the right way. But it's it's a tough thing to do officiating Zach Eady, you know, seven, what is it, seven, six or seven, something four or something right. crazy. He's, he's just, he's a freak. Like you're, he's a once in a lifetime kind of player. But there, there was definitely some officiating calls that I think were missed in that game. But I think that the officiating calls were missed both ways. I think that, you know, Michigan State, yeah, they had a little bit to gripe about, but there was also a lot to gripe about for Purdue side if you're watching that game too. I think that game for Michigan State, I know you lost, but you got to count that as success. Like you found your player, your it guy, I feel like, Tyson Walker. You battled with the best team in the Big Ten and and almost won if it wasn't for a Zach E.D. layup with like, what is it, four seconds left to go or something like that. I think that 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 game was really successful for Michigan State and kind of just blossomed them into what they did on Thursday night against Rutgers. And I think that was a huge win for them. They're they're still playing without Malik Hall, who who coming into the game or coming into the year was maybe supposed probably be supposed to be their best player, their best player. And and he's been he was back for like a couple games, but never really fully back. And and now he's out again. Yeah, he's he's just playing without him the way they have is is really I think something that Michigan State fans should be really, really excited about going down the stretch. And like you said, I think that they have a potential to be a, a second weekend tournament team. I, I don't know if – I don't think they're a Final Four team. I don't think that they're a national championship team. But I think coming into the year, the way, you know, Michigan State viewed this team, I think if you can make it to that second weekend, you know, maybe get lucky making Elite Eight, you got to have the season of success, especially with the talent you brought in and, and all of that. I feel like this is a – it's, it's been a good year for State so far, sitting at 13-6, and six, and they just kind of keep rolling right now. Yeah. i got a question for you. So, like you said, like, oh, to be honest, I don't know if giving them back would help them that much. I kind of think they're at their ceiling, like, right now. Like, obviously, like you said, Lake Hall is a very talented mm-hmm. player. I'm wondering how much you – because I don't think they'd help that much. I think what they have right now and really what they are what they are and what their identity is, how much do you think getting Lake Hall back would help them as they go into March? Yeah, so it's an interesting thought because, you know, beginning of the year they struggled for a little bit. The lost game of Gonzaga, lost uh, Northwestern, lost to Notre Dame. I think the Notre Dame game was not really called, but they had him in their Northwestern loss. But but it's kind of an interesting thought to think about, oh, is Malik Hall the reason why they lost those games? And I think that you can maybe think that, oh, this is kind of the identity of the Michigan State team. You don't want to bring anything new in and mess it up. But you got to realize Malik Hall, he's, he's going to be a good defender, a good scorer, I think the thing with Malik Hall when he comes back is he's going to have to realize his role. Because if he comes back and he thinks he's still, oh, I'm that guy who's going to get those points in, and that that can mess up what Michigan State has going right now. I think the big thing for Malik Hall is going to be knowing what he is when he comes back, where he's going to be a guy that, you know, you want him an effort guy. He's going to make some shots. He's going to have to be a guy that's going to get some rebounds, box people out. Almost what you want Terrence Williams to be for Michigan. And, you know, credit to Terrence Williams – it's kind of going back to Michigan. Credit Terrence Williams played really well last night against Maryland, yeah. but he hasn't really been that guy this year. And I think that's that's what Malik Hall has to be, what Terrence Williams was for Michigan last year and what he was against Maryland If when he comes back. He can't be that guy that that tries to score, you know, 40 points a game, right. all that, because I think that's going to mess up what Michigan State has. They're, have that, they're, they're in transition to getting that guy. Right? Yeah, they're in transition to getting that guy by Walker. Tyson Walker, yeah. And I think the big thing about Tyson Walker that's kind of uh, propelled him into what he's been doing is taking the ball out of his hands. A.J. Hogger's been bringing the ball to the floor. 
he's been kind of the guy uh, facilitating the offense and getting Tyson Walker off the ball. I feel like has just been a thing that's kind of really just transformed this Michigan State offense, transformed him into a to a big score. I feel like for Tyson Walker, it's it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that last year he was so average and then this year at the beginning of the year he's still like not really that guy and then all of a sudden just clicks it just clicks but coming up for michigan state they got at indiana on sunday at 12 that's a big one indiana just beat illinois i think at illinois too Mm -hmm. and then they are what yeah double digit win at illinois that's really big for indiana who had struggled for a little bit there and then they try or they're back at the breslin playing iowa at seven o'clock on thursday uh, what do you make of those two games? Yeah, I uh, I view it the same as Michigan to a lesser degree. I'd say we're in such a good spot. If I was a state fan, I'd be like, we are in a very good spot right now. We got to win these two. If we can win these two games, we're almost we're definitely in the tournament, and we're yeah. looking at a top eight seat, top seven seat. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, as a Michigan State fan, I would I wouldn't accept a loss. I'd be very unhappy if I were to lose. You said they were at Indiana. They're at Indiana. So yeah. again, that being a tough game, but you have to look at where they match up, and I really think. Michigan State can play solid defense, kind of limit uh, a bit of what Indiana's guards have to do with the penetration and find Trish Jackson Davis. If you can hold them to under 20, 25 points, you're probably going to win that game if you're Michigan State. And on the flip side, look at it at home against Iowa. You know, I don't think I was in a great shape, but you never, you never know when you put the uh, Chris Murray out there on the court. But mm-hmm. I really do think that as a state fan, I'd be expecting two wins because of the success you've built up these past four games. You have to be able to continue that and keep growing the team. Mm-hmm. Like you said, once Malik Hall comes back, he needs to be able to know his role. And as, if you win these two games, that'll really help Malik Hall understand what he needs to do to get Michigan State to where they want to be come March. Yeah. How about you? I, I think I agree. I think at Indiana is going to probably be the tougher of these two games. Going to Assembly Hall is never never an easy right. task, especially the way Indiana has been playing. You know their fans are going to come and they're going to be juiced. So yeah, that game is going to be a really interesting game to watch, honestly. It's like – just the atmosphere in Assembly Hall. It'll be a fun watch for any college basketball fan. If, if you're not doing anything, I would definitely turn on that game at 12 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, I think that at I, or home against Iowa at 7 on Thursday is going to be a game that, that they're going to want to win, I think. I think they match up better against Iowa than Michigan did when Michigan played them just because they kind of have a guy in Malik Hall like that could probably guard Chris Murray, whereas we had to put uh, rotations of, you know, Terrace Reed, Terrence Williams on, on Chris Murray, and that's just a tough ass for anybody. But I think Malik Hall and just like the length of Malik Hall or whoever you're going to put on Chris Murray is, is really going to help out the Spartans team. I think that if they split these games, it's definitely a win for them just going in a tournament. If you're 14-7, and seven, you got to win over either Iowa or Indiana. you got some good wins. I think that they're going to be in a really good spot to make the tournament. I mean, obviously make the tournament, but be a, a good seed in the tournament and have a good shot being a, a second weekend team. I think that these two two games are going to prove big for them. So that's all we got for Michigan State. All right, so there have been some big happenings in the Michigan coaching world. Jim Harbaugh announced he's back, so that's, that's huge for Michigan. Yeah, it's awesome news. You know, it's... Well, before we get into the Matt White stuff, let's just quickly talk about that. The way it was announced was a little weird. Uh, Santa Ono released a message, a statement saying that he had just talked to Jim Harbaugh and had received the great news that he would be coaching Michigan in 2023. 
And he said that I've informed our athletic director. He didn't coin a name. He didn't name Ward Manuel. And I also think it's a little bit weird that Ward Manuel wasn't the guy that Jim Harbaugh told that he was coming back. It was Santa Ono. Is there a little bit of a rift there with Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh, do you think? I'm going to keep this nice and short for everybody. Yeah. Ward Manuel needs to be fired. And that's all I'm going to say for this. Ben, you can take the rest of this. I, you know, I agree. I think you look at what happened in, in San Francisco with Jim Harbaugh. He left because he didn't like the ownership that was there. And I feel like the same thing is kind of blossoming with him and Ward Manuel. And there's a lot that you can get into with Ward Manuel. He uh, let Carol Hutchins walk. And I, I know, you know, she was getting up there in age. Maybe she was time for retire. Let Backage walk. Like, you can't do that. Best Michigan best baseball coach they've had in forever. Hasn't hired uh, a hockey coach for the women's team. Still has a dude on the men's hockey team named as interim. He should be the head coach. Uh, what else? John Beeline walk. And this Harbaugh thing, you know, it's going to happen every year. But the way Warren Manuel has handled it, I think, has been has been terrible. And I think that it's a fireable offense. And honestly, I think that's really all we need to say about that. Not really much to get into there. And I'm sure there's going to be a ton of time to get into stuff like that in the offseason. But let's talk a little bit about the Matt Weiss situation because Matt Weiss, there was a report came out. What was there? It was computer. What was it technically called? Computer crimes. Computer yeah. He had like crimes. computer access crimes. I think that's what it was. He had, he had, was on, was it leave or yeah. he was on leave for computer access crimes. And news just came out maybe four, three hours ago. He's fired. Fired as a Michigan offensive coordinator. And not not a very good look for Michigan. Kind of just a, a weird sequence. As you heard a couple of rumors, Matt Weiss wanted Jim Harbaugh to leave. He started Jim Harbaugh to the NFL rumors. And then all of a sudden he has computer access crimes. Could they be related? I mean, I I literally didn't put that together until right now. <laughs> but maybe that has something to do with it. You know, I don't even know what a computer access crime is. I'm sure it, it's a, a multitude of things. That's the whole, that's the whole, like you said, word. weird, weird. That is the whole definition of this offseason. Yeah, it's, so it's been so, it's you been know, strange. Nobody knows anything. Okie, you know, right. she's like, oh yeah, I'm coming saying, back. And then all of a sudden, like, gone. Uh, <laughs> like, what, what is this offseason for Michigan football, really? It, it's really just knows. so, so weird. But into the Weiss thing, I guess, like, What's the deal for Michigan in their offensive coordinator for position? I've heard uh, Greg Roman's name floated around. You know, he was Jim Harbaugh's offensive coordinator in San Francisco, and then was John Harbaugh's offensive coordinator, just fired by him in Baltimore. So it's kind of a weird dynamic. Like, go just keep going back to that weird thing. It's a little bit of a weird dynamic. You know, he just gets fired by one brother. Is he really going to want to go back to the other brother? But he was already with the other brother. So it's, it's just weird. Uh, but then there's also the possibility that they just keep Sharon more and, and don't even worry about it. And then they'll just hire an offensive uh, or a quarterback's coach. Kind of not really, you know, this is this news just broke. So there's not a lot of names that have been floated around for offensive coordinator or like what they're going to do there. I really don't, don't know at, at all. Do you have any uh, insight into that really? I mean, if I, I can't, I, like you said, we don't know any of the leads on it. I would say as, as, from my knowledge and what I hope to have, I would hope they promote Sharon Moore to full-time coordinator. Mm-hmm. As you said, I think last year he was the the better coordinator out of the two. Most important coordinator, right. I agree. I view, I view him as the more important piece, so I don't mind losing that wise mm-hmm. in that situation. It's just the way it goes down is not a good look for Michigan. Yeah. But I think promoting Sharon Moore is what I like to see. And then going in, whether Harvard wants to take that quarterbacks or whether they want to bring somebody else from outside, 
is up to them, and I'd be okay with either one. But the main thing for me would be to promote Showroom more to Courtney. I think he deserves that promotion. He's been here for a long time, and since he's been here, our all lines have been with the top three in the nation each year. So I think he deserves this promotion. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I think Showroom more probably, like you said, definitely deserves this promotion. What he's been doing with our offensive lines the past couple of years, he's. Do, I don't know. Do they win? It yeah, this year, right? yeah. So back back to back, Joe Moore Award yeah. winners, off best offensive line in the country. So he's just kind of transformed this team, and you could really point to him as a big reason to why we've had the success we've had the past two years, and just really revitalize this Michigan program of football. And you look at oh, if they just promote him to full time coordinator, or maybe they do an inside hire. I know we were just talking, maybe Ron Bellamy, maybe uh, Mike Hart. Who else? Uh, maybe Jay Harbaugh. Jay Har- yeah, Jay Harbaugh. You know, there, there's there's really limitless options that Michigan can do, and and I don't really think there's a lot of bad options. Right. I feel like the Matt Weiss thing is obviously not a good look, not a not a good thing that happened for Michigan. But what you're going to get out of it can't really hurt you. Could be better. Could be better. It, it could be better. You know, you can point to Matt Weiss as a big reason to uh, some of the play calls in that Correct. playoff game. Correct that really just kind of screwed us over, right. lost the game on it. Uh, elsewhere in the coaching landscape, uh, talking about our pro team here, Detroit Lions, Ben Johnson uh, officially announced that he's going to come back as the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Ben Johnson is a guy that has just changed this Lions team, changed this Lions offense. What what, what do you got to say about it? Oh, man, if I could just tip my cap virtually to Ben Johnson, I would just say, we love having you back here, man. You know, I know you're not listening to this, but if you are listening to this, we, yeah. we love having you back, you know. Um, yeah, you never know. Because, <laughs> I would love it because he means so much to this Detroit Lions team and this Detroit Lions culture, you know. Um, I didn't even know who this guy was to begin with the year. He's hurt himself. Right. Nobody did. He comes first on the scene, first year in the job. Offense is taking a new height. We haven't seen around here in Detroit with forever. regardless of coaching scheme. It's never been here in the past 10 years, in the past decade. You know, even with Stafford or without him. So mm-hmm. the fact he did this with Jared Goff, you know, he developed offensive line into the top three line in the in the NFL. You know, he made he made guys that were guys and are gadget guys in certain teams like Josh Reynolds and DJ Chart become full time reliable receivers. Mm-hmm. He real I, I know we haven't seen the whole James Williams show yet, but he you, you saw the flashes of what mm-hmm. he can be, especially under the coaching of Ben Johnson, getting him in, in the reverses, the screens, the right he, re, spots. he revitalized Jared Goff's career exactly. You know, and it, that goes to Ben Johnson. So the fact that he's staying means so much for this Lions team moving forward. And it really allows him to enable himself to push forward to win that division and know that they have the offense is set and they can focus on defense and free agency and really push towards their goals they have for next year. So oh, yeah. I think you, you you heard this news and you really just can't help but smile. You know, Michigan fan, Michigan State fan, doesn't really matter. We're all Lions yeah. fans. You you see this news and, and everybody's just just happy. He He's – Arguably the best offensive coordinator. I mean, you could look at maybe Eric Bieniemy, yeah. but he's he's one of the the better offensive coordinators in the entire National Football League, and he's young. He he's talented, and he probably had his pick of where he wanted to go to coach in the NFL, and decided to stay in Detroit. I think that's huge for Michigan. Like getting him back, or not Michigan for the Lions. Getting him back is 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 just massive, and you're gonna see some more fun play calls like the Penny Sewell first down. You're gonna see some more fun play calls like that Brock Wright touchdown against the Gents. Uh, he's just a great coordinator. Having him back is gonna be huge for the uh, Lions. You made an interesting point though, the fact he had his pick. Name another. Think of another coordinator that has had this choice in in 
chosen to stay put. The only one I can think of is Biennemi. That's besides the only one. That, the only one. top in the, in the league. Yeah. Besides that, it shows the, the culture that Cam's built. Oh, yeah. It shows how much they respect each other. So like you said, that's a good point to bring up. Is he could have picked anywhere he wanted to go. And he chose yeah, to since stay when all, do people want to stay in Detroit? Best, Barry Sanders, no Calvin Johnson, all gone. And now we got our offensive coordinator who wants to stay in Detroit. Uh, a, a star wants to stay in Detroit. This is – things are looking up for the Lions. Oh, yeah. It's really, really, really – it. it warms your heart. Oh, yeah. It's it's great. It's stuff. things things are fantastic for the Lions. Unfortunately, though, for the Lions, they uh, you know, not to put a damper on this, but they didn't make the playoffs. No, no, that's the one sad thing. About that this. is the one sad thing, and you know, we're not going to get to watch them this weekend. Instead, we're going to watch some other games. But why don't we take some picks at those uh, right. those other games here, real quick? I'm gonna start with the Saturday games, four thirty on NBC. You got. The Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to the Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by nine points. What are what are you taking? And what's your little talking point of this game? You think? Uh, I'm just, I had a Chiefs various team. You know, I think, I, like you said, I heard an interesting stat the other day was about Andy Reid off the bye. <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but point of it, I think he's nine and one. Like song, exactly. Andy Reid off the exactly. bye. Exactly. Point of it is they don't lose coming off a bye with him and Mahomes together. I also think you know, I think the Lawrence stuff. He th- again he threw four picks, a couple more in his fault. Whatever, say what you will. The fact that they just had the most emotional playoff victory in that yeah. franchise. People aren't talking about that enough. Forever, right, in forever. They're going to come – they're on such a high. And this is a total up-down theory. But up-down theory, I think Kansas City does a good job, does their thing, and pretty much buries them. So I'll take Kansas City with the points. Yep, I think you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. And you read off the bye, I think it's 9-1 and one or 7-1. and one. Uh, Even with the Chiefs getting nine points, I'm taking them. With the nine points, I think Mahomes – Kelsey, they're just gonna be way too much for this this Jaguars defense, and I think it's I think it's a little bit of a blowout. Yeah, I bet I bet the under hits though over fifty three, okay. or I mean over I I think over fifty three. Sure. I think there I think Jacksonville will be able to score once yeah. or twice in this game. Mm-hmm. The second game on Sunday or Saturday, sorry, is gonna be Giants traveling to Philadelphia eight fifteen on Fox. The Philadelphia Eagles are favored by seven and a half. That's a big number. What you taking? Uh, I'm going with the Giants to cover that seven and a half. Eagles to win or Giants to win? Oh man, can I just call Giants with the points? Sure, okay. <laughs> call Giants okay. with the points. Okay. <laughs> I will go no open for them. I, I do think Philly wins this game. Okay, but but I will go if I were to bet if I would put my if I'm a betting man, fair betting man, I would say Giants with the points because I think. I think they'll cover because I really don't see. I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles are in the right spot. I think they kind of peaked when they were eleven and zero, yeah, twelve and one. I think they peaked where definitely a lot earlier in the season. And I don't think they would want to be. I think Hurts is a little bit more structurally damaged in the shoulder than what he is, or what we've heard. Yeah, what he's letting on. Right. So I, I really do think that the Giants can cover this game and play, slow it down, run the ball, play the, the RPO game with Daniel Jones, and uh, keep the score close to within seven and a half points. Hell yeah. I, I think I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm taking Giants with the points, but Eagles to win. I think, like you said, that that peaking at the wrong time thing is a big thing for the Eagles. But you also have to look at the fact that, oh, well, when they hit their decline, it still was without Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts came back and they won that game. And, and now they're playing this Giants team that they should beat on paper. But you look at these Giants teams that have won Super Bowls. And they're always a wild card team. They're always a uh, not not the best team coming into the year, and they just kind of just get you, and they get you, and they get you, and Sneaky. and they got a coach that can just do that. And I think seven and a half is 
not necessarily disrespectful because if you look at it on paper, you know, maybe the Eagles should be favored by more. But I think that seven and a half is just too big of a number for the Eagles. And they play a lot of one score games. And I think this one's going to be another one. It's going to be a fun watch, but I think the Eagles come away with a win. Going into the Sunday games, we got two of them. Three o'clock on CBS. We got the Bengals traveling to Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's getting five and a half or favored by five and a half. Just kind of before you take a, take this away, let's little uh, something I think is a little stupid here is the Bengals got screwed. If you think about it, they this should be a neutral site game. I don't think this game sure. should be in Buffalo. Yeah, the Bengals were the ones that were in the game, and and their coach was the one who went over to the other sideline. Is like, let's not play this. Like like this is too emotional because the Bills player got hurt, and and now they got punished because of it. Cause if the Bengals win that game, they're at home right now. Right. Like they this game is home for Cincinnati and just, it's, you know, not something that you want to highlight too much because you know, the Demar Hamlin thing was just a tough situation right. for the NFL and tough for everybody. But I think if you're going to make that chiefs bills game, a neutral site, this one should be too. Just kind of just something, you know, not a big storyline, but just something that I think yeah. should, should be uh, talked about. But okay, so Buffalo's favored by five and a half. They're at home against Cincinnati. What you take? You know, that's uh, like you said, five and a half. I think that's a, at least like you said with the Eagles. I think it's a pretty big number. You know, mm-hmm. I view these teams as pretty similar in terms of talent and coaching. Like these teams are kind of mirrors of each other. So I, uh, you know, I'm a bigger Bengals fan than I am a Bills fan. I'll <laughs> say so. It's yeah. Well, my, this is a pure fan pick, but I, I, I'm going to go with the Bengals to cover that, and I think they went out right. Um, yeah, you said you're a Bengal or bigger Bengals fan. You are a Bills mm-hmm. fan. I'm actually probably the, one of the bigger Bengals haters <laughs> that is around here. I'm going to take the Bills just just to spite the Bengals. I, I do really think in my – you know, my brain's telling me that it's going to be close than five and a half points, but the Bills are going to win. My heart's telling me let's go with the Bills. So I'm just going to go with my heart yeah, because, you know – it's 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 more fun that way to be honest. I think that this game is gonna be close. It's gonna be probably the most entertaining game to watch. I think it's probably gonna be the best game to watch. It's you know, there could be a lot of points or there could be a 24-21 win. I you really don't know how this game's gonna go. And I think either way, both teams are suited to play the way that this game could go. I think this one should be really entertaining. Just a little storyline to look at is the Bengals with all their offensive line. Uh injuries and all of that you know jonah williams he said he's day-to-day uh i don't know if you follow the Bengals at all he follows zach taylor when he says a guy's day-to-day more likely than not they don't play that week so it'll be an interesting storyline to see what the offensive line looks like going into that game for the Bengals and how they hold up against this bill's defensive line uh the final game we're going to look at here is 6 30 on fox it's is on sunday as well Dallas is traveling to San Francisco. Kind of weird that this is the smallest number, in my opinion, but San Francisco's favored by four. What do you got? Uh, so, get, look at when, I, when that number came out and I looked at this game, you know, I thought four points. That's a little bit, like you said, the smallest number of the weekend. Mm-hmm. That you know, kind of struck me as an odd number. Now, Vegas knows sometimes. They do. They do. But I'm going to go against Vegas here. I, <laughs> I, I really think San Francisco covers that number. I think they win, and I think they kind of handle the, the Cowboys here. You know, I I get it. Dak looked really good. Oh, my gosh. They played really good on grass for the first time in, like, mm-hmm. five years last week against Tampa yeah. Bay. 
But let me say this. Tampa Bay is Sucks. the worst playoff team we've seen. Oh, they're, time. they're bad. Right. They didn't deserve to be there. Towns Watt. Like, they did not play against a quality team. They watch those words come back to bite you down to watch. I know. I know. Jeez. But it's like. I hope he just retires. Right. But it's like, I, I'm, I've looked at this Dallas team. You know, I, I think they are, a, they are a good team. But I think San Fran is just too much to handle. I think Dak kind of returns to where he's been all season with throwing multiple interceptions a game. I think the defense for San Francisco holds up against the run and against turns uh, deck over multiple times. So I really think San Francisco is uh, on paper is a lot more suited to handle Dallas than Tampa Bay was. And I think uh, San Francisco, San Francisco ends up covering the four points they get in this game. Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, definitely too low of a number. I think San Francisco wins and Mm -hmm. I think they win by not necessarily a lot, but more than four. I think that they cover. I think that a couple things you can look at in this game are, you know, this is one of the better defenses in national football since really that, the Ravens mm-hmm. defense maybe a couple of years ago. I don't remember what year. It was 2014, was it? Yeah. Yeah. That Ravens defense, that was just insane. Uh, probably one of the better defenses since that defense. But the one spot you can beat them is downfield. And if Dak's going to make a couple throws downfield to C.D. Lamb, his receivers, then maybe this could, you know, get close, get a little risky here. But I think the, the defense of the 49ers is going to be too much. And then you also look at the fact that their offense – is literally probably the most talented offense. You look, just look on paper, most talented offense in football. They just have freaks all around the field. Chris McCaffrey is a once-in-a-lifetime generational talent. Debo Samuel's a freak. George Kittle is a freak. Like, And then you have Brandon Ayuk, a, a good receiver. You have Brock Purdy, who's been delivering the ball you know, at one of the better rates in all of football since he's been came into the league. And I don't want to hear any more of the storyline of last pick in the draft because, you yeah. know what, start calling him – the quarterback of the 49ers. Yeah. Let's just throw like away it. everything else. Yes, he's he's playing like he's an NFL quarterback. I don't want to hear about all this, oh, he's the last pick of the draft. I, okay, I get it. It's a fun storyline. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. But that's not who he is now. He is the quarterback of the 49ers and the quarterback of the team that can win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. For sure. I agree 100%. I think 49ers win this game. I think they cover. I agree, too. They got the offensive line to do it. Oh, yeah. Said they should handle these Cowboys pretty well. Yep. I agree. I think that's uh, all we got for you. Thanks for being here with me, Logan. No problem. The pleasure as always. Yep. Till next time. We'll see you guys next Friday.